Welcome back to the City of Palms podcast, everybody. Today, it's pretty cold today. We don't, we didn't even have to turn the AC on. It's freaking chilly. <laughs> it's like, what was it, like 50, 40, 50 this morning? Something like that? It was 38. 38 degrees? Yeah. I thought we were in Florida. Yeah, iguanas were falling out of the trees, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that was in the news, man. What the heck? That's so funny. Was it like, I didn't really read the articles. Was it that they were getting so cold they were like passing out or something like I that? Yes, you know, yeah, cold blooded, you know? Oh, poor things. I almost closed. Remember we were talking on the an episode about the lizards in the AC unit? Dude, today I was moving up the uh the like window, I was opening it to to let air out of the house, and there was a little lizard in there and I was trying my hardest not to like squish him and I'm like, bro, and I was trying to like get him to go out the little hole in the screen. He got to safety, I think. But anyways, today we're gonna be talking about movies. We're gonna be talking about directing flying drones and also and lord of the rings man i can't wait today we've got camilo de la vega that's right thanks for having me how you doing today bro how was work it was good it was uh actually really funny today because um it's kind of like a joke day i went i went over and i had to edit a video and it had a donkey on it like a legit donkey so <laughs> so i'm like sitting there and i'm like trying to take it serious you know like this is a business i'm trying to like edit some videos for and then I just like in the back of my mind, it's like, there's a donkey in the screen. A, <laughs> and then like every time I'm looking at these guys, I'm like, just, you know, it's, it's a donkey in the screen. Like, how can I take this serious, you know? So, so you you work for Waterman Broad- Broadcasting. That's right. Was that project, because you do a lot of commercial work and things like that. Is that what that project was? Some sort of commercial for a business? Yeah. So that that, that is a business uh, uh, project for uh, Kia Airport. So, mm. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. gonna be airing in ABC and NBC, so. Dang, is that your is that your main grind right now? Is that that employer? Uh, so they're one of my clients. You know, like I'm, I I work as a creative service producer there. Yeah. Um, but then I have my production company, so that's kind of like my main, um, grind right there. Just trying to grow it, and you know. Dang, and then uh, you're going to film school as well, currently. No, 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 I'm I'm not. Are you, you're done with it? I'm done with it. Yeah. Where did you, where were you studying? So I did. Uh, um, I went to FSW for to for uh, to get an AA degree on arts, and mm-hmm. then I just been doing online school for the last couple of years. So. Dope! Hell yeah. Um. So, uh, what is what is your you you just recently put out that YouTube video, the one shot challenge, right? That was that yeah. your most recent thing you've you've released on your channel? Yeah, that's right. What uh, I was curious about that because it was just a one shot challenge. What yeah. what difficulties go into shooting? A, a scene like that just in one shot well you know you, you get a, you, you get to think about it you know like we're so used to the format of the movies of just cut 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 and that's what one of the biggest things that you get to do like the, the movie magic is the cut so back in you know when movies got started they would crank those cameras and they go and then they would stop and then they would replace the person and then roll again you know so then they would get like a match cut or they would do like, you know, make, make people disappear or they would put people's heads on it. So that's like kind of like cinema's oldest trick, the cut. So trying to like go out there and just kind of come up with a story that actually serves the purpose of, you know, not cutting was kind of the challenge of it. It wasn't about, you know, the logistics of it. It wasn't about the, the camera angles. It was about, you know, figuring a story that was told well by just a one continuous move, movement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got, you know, pri- Private Ryan, you know, introduction of D-Day, 
and you know it's like just one long take you know that takes you into war you know like yeah. oh my god you know so that's 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 the purpose of the one take you know so so finding the story of it was the the actual challenge of it like mm -hmm. story that you know felt like it was like you need to you need to tell a story and it's urgent you know so yeah plus i feel like you're restricted as far as um sets and stuff like that because if you if it's just one take if you're going from scene to scene, like different settings you have to find a way to be able to do that without a cut right right and isn't there another really famous scene in like kill bill or something like that where it's just a continuous shot through that one dojo or something like it? or are there, are there other you said private ryan are there any other iconic scenes that are one shot scenes yeah 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 i mean one of the like one of my favorite ones is boogie nights so it's kind of like the the introduction to like the live the disco nights the the guy who runs the bar so it stars outside i mean you know one of my favorites actually comes from you know hitchcock and uh it's a touch of evil so he puts a a, a bomb in a car and then you follow the scene for the long time and you know everything seems normal but in the back of your head you're like oh fuck there's a bomb that will blow up any second so it's one take so you're never you're like when is it gonna blow up when is it gonna blow up when is it gonna blow up so you know it, i think it's like five or six minutes that go on and on and on and when they finally the bomb goes off you're like oh fuck finally <laughs> you know like get that you get that release you know you get that bomb that like just builds up builds up builds up and you, you know you finally get to breathe you know so so those, those are some of my favorite one take takes dang so then so then bringing it back where where was like was was filming and directing was that your first sort of creative passion or was there something in your earlier like childhood and teenage years that you did like were you painting back then or was it were you involved with the cinema way more so so you know like acting i think that was kind of like my first passion uh, for the for the art form, you know, like I was always involved in painting. I was always, you know, doing a sculpturing, you know, like I, I, I love doing art, you know, and can express myself, you know, but I never really follow any of those passions too much yeah. um, until recent years. But, you know, acting was just kind of like so cool. And it was just maybe because like I didn't really understood, you know, I thought that the actor made the movie, you know, so so, you know, I always like to, you know, I did like the school plays. I did the you know the the coming up to the stage and telling you know the other other the other kids when when graduation was up. I was like the speaker of it and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of ignited the passion of it. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of like acting was like the first thing I kind of went for. Okay, when did it evolve into film? Oh, so it was it was kind of interesting because it wasn't until later on when I moved to the United States. So I'm from Colombia. And over there, you know, I used to do drama club. I used to do, you know, local theater, community theater, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I moved here and, you know, there was this, like a language barrier to, to, to everything, you know. So it was, uh, for me, like, you know, I couldn't just go out and get a role. I couldn't just go, you know. So I was like, ah, oh, man, like, I, you know, me, me being 16, you know, I wanted to be an actor. That, that was it, you know. And then, you know, I was like, oh, broke, heartbroken, you know, like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? That's it. But then I was like, well, what else can I do? And then I started, you know, looking at into like, you know, cinematography, you know, directing. Started looking into like other things. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, like that passion, the earlier passion wasn't about me going and trying to act and trying to live these lives. But it's about telling stories. Like 
it it was like it was always like these stories that I kept going to. So so you know finally like realizing like you know you have that day of like the epiphany like you know like oh like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, and it 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 was kind of like a funny story because like you know I had. I had a couple of my best friends in Chicago. That's that's when I first moved to United States. That's where I landed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're just having fun, and you know, we're like, oh, let's do my, a horror flick. So, you know, we picked up like a old camera that was sitting down, and me and my friends, you know, are like acting up, and one of us is the murderer, and you know, we're getting chased around and blah blah blah, and uh, you know, like I was like, you know, I wanted to act, so I was like in front of the camera, and then I went to back to you. I went to sleep that night. And the next morning, I just, I like, I'm walking down my house and I'm just got this feeling. I'm like, just kind of like, everything kind of just makes sense. Like, dude, you just want to tell stories. Go tell those stories. And that's it. Like, since that day, I was like, man, you know, every time I watched a movie, every time I, you know, went to a museum of film or every time I try to take a photo, I was looking for that story. Like, and, and that day that, that click in. So it's like, wow. Do you write stories at all? Oh yeah, that's that's that I I try to do it every day, you know. Uh, for my work, you know, I write stories for, you know, clients that want to get their product out. You know, I write stories that passion me. I write stories that I see in other people, and I'm like, you know, you got something to say, you know. So, so yeah, that's that's another big thing. So then, when did the um? What age did you move here to Chicago? Uh, Were you already 15. out of high school? I was fifteen. Okay. Um, did you know, was there moving here compared to there? Cause you said you were in drama programs and stuff like that down there. Were the education systems, as far as pursuing your art, did you feel like any major differences coming to the States rather than Columbia? Um, I mean, you know, it, over here, you know, you got everything, you got everything you need. So I felt like, you know, over there, you really had to grind, uh, to be an artist. You really got to grind to be a photographer. You really gotta, you know, you, you gotta be, you know, top 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 notch to really shine over there because there's so few opportunities to where over here you know i felt like i was more welcome to you know like in in my school i didn't have theater class you know over here you know i had theater class so i was like oh yeah this is awesome you know so so there's a few other few more opportunities that you know uh, you can go go find you know like for yourself so so yeah it was a, it was a little different you know what when did you move to florida then uh, that was in my junior year, so that was that was like uh, I moved in the I moved to Chicago when I was a freshman, mm-hmm. you know. So well halfway through freshman year because in Colombia, so our calendars the end of the year is the end of the school year. Oh, to where here is the summer. Yeah. So when I moved here, you know, they were like, well, you can repeat freshman like you can repeat eighth grade and start freshman year from the beginning, or you can go in freshman year. It's like ah, oh, just freshman year, you know. <laughs> so I was already halfway through freshman year when I came into school. Okay, so then what school did you finish your senior year at down here in Actually, Florida? Golf course. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Is that when you, in high school, is that when you started dabbling in the local film? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I you know, I always had this passion for telling stories, um, and I was really lucky um, that, um, actually, my, my stepdad was a producer, um, but he did a lot more. So, so sometimes, you know, he would bring me along to do different kind of shoots, different kind of little projects, different art directing, you know, he, he, he didn't do as much as uh, video. 
he did a lot of media. So, you know, when the CDs were a, was a big thing, that, that's what he did. He, he put all the, the CDs out. Uh, when TurboTax, you know, came out, he was one of the, the people who helped put it all together. So, so he wasn't so much on the shooting or anything, um, but, you know, he was like more on the coming up with the ideas and making them happen. So sometimes I got to go to shoot. Sometimes I got to like see the actors. Sometimes I saw the directors, you know, so I was like, oh man, that, that's, that's what I want to do. Like, you know, like put me in the chair, you know, but mm -hmm. of course, you know, like they had me running coffees and, <laughs> you know, moving, moving, moving shit around, but that's but, where it starts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, so, so then did, from there, did you go on to like. Then you started dabbling in the camera operation, and then you started dabbling in higher level stuff, and then you got your way up to where, what you're doing now. Is right. that kind of how it worked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like once, once you know, I knew what I wanted to do, you know, which it was like make movies, you know. Um, I started to like, okay, what, what camera do I need? Like, what, what do I, what, what do I need? So I got into cameras. You know what? What kind of software? Do I, so then I get into computers. So then I start building my own computers. You know, like I would buy cheap computers of eBay and then just beef them up. You know, so then that would become you know technology became one of my passions. You know, mm -hmm. um, and then you know like just like that that little thing it just led to so many other things and it's just like such a big pool that it's really hard to you know dabble in every single little one. So it, it took a long time. To really, you know, take the passion for telling stories to actually tell stories, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, no. Man, so you've had so much experience on, on sets and, like, big productions to tell this one story. I wonder what your opinion is on, like, this day and age. You see YouTube as a platform so many people are using to tell their stories, whether it's, like, vlogs or beauty vlogging or actually, like, films that people are posting on YouTube just through their own means, cam cameras that they bought and they use and stuff like that. Like, someone like Casey Neistat... I'm someone, I'm not even that interested in, like, operating cameras or film or, like, all that really confuses me and it's not, like, my artistic avenue. But even watching videos like his, it makes me, like, realize, you know, just with a little little lump of money, you can buy these bits of equipment and you can do everything that he's doing. You know what I mean? Is that something, are there YouTubers you look at as super inspirational in that avenue? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I, I, I really feel like YouTube has empowered other people to come out in there and chase their dreams and, you know... I mean, Casey did 360 videos in a year. I'm like mad respect for that guy because, you know, it takes me a few, few days. And they're beautiful too. Yeah. They're not just like basic vlogs with a little vlog camera. He like films, yeah, you know? Legit. So so I, I think that, yeah, I mean, uh, to that I was watching Indie Mogul, you know, Hot Ones. You know, it's just such a, it, it, it really is about communicating with people. So it, it is about finding your voice and YouTube, you know, before you could only go to TV to advertise. Now you have this all million of other options to advertise. Mm -hmm. So it's about, you know, connecting people. And I feel like YouTube was one of those people, those, those companies that went out and said, you know, if you got something to say, come to us, we'll help you, you know, get it across the world. And that's why YouTube changed, you know, everything, you know, changed yeah. the game. So where did the drone come in? Because that's you. You've done lots of work with drones and stuff. Was that something you dabbled with on your own, just as like a little hobby, and then it led <laughs> into your profession? No. So actually, I've, I've been a big gig of video gaming my whole life. So you know, I started playing Halo One. I started playing like all those like you know games on the Xbox, games on the N NEX, uh, uh, computer games. 
So, you know, once I picked up the drone, I was like, oh, it's just like playing video games. I'm good at it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so then, you know, like, I was like, okay, let's just make sure no, we don't crash, but let's try to do this crazy thing, <laughs> you know? So, so then it was like, you know, like all those racing games all the time that my grandma was like, get the fuck out of the Xbox, like, you're wasting your life. It paid off, you know, like, hey, grandma. <laughs> Shout out, <laughs> but 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 yeah, it paid off, you know. Just just so so that's kind of where where the drone the droning came came came. So to were be. you on a film set whenever you first flew a drone? Were they just like, hey, here's our drone, like try it out? No, no, no. Um, what was your first time? Actually, you know, the the drones kind of like starting, you know, to becoming like a trend. You know, like it was like maybe six years ago, right? Um, so at the time, you know, if you ever needed to get high up with a camera, you would get this expensive jeep arm. And, you know, like you, it needed like three people. One person is pushing the tracks. One person is controlling the height of it. And then the other person is, is looking at the camera and, and focusing, you know? Yeah. So it's so complicated. And I'm like, man, like, you know, I, I mean, I don't have the money to, to do all these, but I want to make movies and I want to have that, that feeling. So this, this thing called the Unique 500 came out and the Unique 500 had like this, like this super, like super cool idea. What they did is they had a drone, but then the camera would come off and then you would like put it on this gimbal. So they, then you could put your phone or your iPod on it and then your camera would be stabilized. Mm -hmm. So you could just like use it as a drone. And I was like, all right, I'm selling my camera right now. I need to get this right now, right now, right now. <laughs> so... So, you know, like, sure enough, like, as soon as I, like, found someone, I found someone in Miami that wanted to buy my Blackmagic camera. So, I, you know, w I was visiting my cousin. I was like, yo, let's, let's, we got to do this right now. Sold my camera, my first camera, bought my drone. And sure enough, like, two days later, I crashed. Nah. <laughs> I crashed it. And it was like, and then I was like, oh, it still works. You know, I got to go buy some propellers for it. And then a day later, I crashed it again. And I was like, oh, fuck. So good thing I had got warranty from Best Buy. And, you know, I, 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 they, they gave me a new one. And then I was like, I'm going to be really careful with you. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's been probably like five years since I haven't crashed the drone. So oh, wow. so I got it out of my system right away. Dope. Okay. Um, I want to I wanna get into the, the Russian Bride that you worked on. But I think we should take a break before that because I think this, this talk will lead uh, past the 25 minutes. So we're going to take a quick break. Enjoy the ads in the meantime, and we'll be right back with part two, okay? My GoPro got stolen. Really? Which one did you have? I had the three right when it came out, and then, like, a week later, it got stolen, dude. What? Yeah, From where? Was... Out of your bag? No, out of my fucking car. Oh. Like, I had, I, I parked my charger in my, in my you know, gar not in the garage, in the driveway, and then my dog is, like, freaking out. I'm like, shut the fuck up! Oh. No, 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 you're good. You can oh, okay. Yeah, I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And she kept, like, freaking out. I should have known. Someone was rubbing my ass. What? Yeah. Was it unlocked or did they have uh, a break? They, so, so what they did is, like, I guess the chargers had, like, a manufacturer problem where, like, you can just go out with, like, a tennis thing and just, and it pops out the, it, like, the pressure of it. Oh, I think I've seen that Poof. before. Yeah, yeah. Pops up, pops up the, the security. So they just... When I put like a, a ball and just, and then they, they took my like school books, they took my camera, 
I had to install like a, like this like little nice, uh, you know, like before the Apple uh, screen came out, like I had like a digital screen on my car. It's like a 2008 or whatever, but that was hot at the time. And I had like solid, they like took it out. The LEDs is bullshit, but. Was the GoPro your most expensive piece of equipment that was in there? Uh, yeah. Okay, I was, well, I was, close. yeah, I sucked. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Do I need to clap an intro? No, no, you're good. Just, yeah. right. Sh- shout out to Lehigh Acres. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, okay, so when when we had stopped, we were talking about drones. So to bring it back to drones, uh, have you ever had a problem with, like, is wind an issue or birds or anything? Like, yeah. plane turbulence, like, flying too oh, I wonder what goes into yeah. a drone shoot. Dude, it was so funny. Even just, like, a week ago, I'm, like, I was shooting in Lehigh Acres. And, you know, I'm flying my drone, and I see this bird just, like, fly right on top of him. Like, I see you. And then he, like, turn around. And then, like, the next time, like, it wasn't just, like, you know, it wasn't just flying on top of it. It was just kind of, like, going around it. <laughs> like, going around it. And, like, every time he kept getting closer. And it was an like eagle. You know, it was, like, it was like, like, a, like a big eagle. I'm, like... All right, I might have to chill for a little bit. The, the client is looking at me like, "What's the problem?" I'm like, "Did you not saw the bird? It was bigger than my drone." It like, steals the chill drone. Chill right? You know, I, I mean, I, I would I would do it for a viral video, but that's already done. You know, like they already had that. You know, turns out that was the same bird that robbed his car. Full <laughs> <laughs> circle. That's hilarious. Um. Is wind though? Is wind ever an issue, or, or are they? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, you know, uh, I I get a FAA license to fly, so they, you know, by the FAA, you know, you you gotta follow certain things, and you know, airports, and you know, like people, you're not supposed to fly by people, buildings, you know, certain ha- certain heights. So so you know, there's a lot of rules. Like you know, like it depends on what kind of drone. So like you know, I got three different drones. Um, depending on the conditions, you know, you'll, you you'll, you'll pick the right drone. So, so the, the bigger drones will take a little bit more wind, the little ones, you know, 15 mile gusts will throw it around and you know, it's not, there's nothing more annoying, you know, than, you know, you get out to your location, you're ready to shoot and you know, you're getting this awesome like scene and then all the sudden it's like, <laughs> like oh, fuck, you know, so, you know, it's, it's all about planning and you know, I mean, some, sometimes you can't even plan for that because mother nature you know yeah right does a gimbal help with like a good amount in the wind and it has to be like really intense weather for it to just fuck up the shot completely uh, it depends like when i was in the russian bright going back to that mm-hmm. you know like there was no it was knowing when i was shooting that thing you know and the, the crazy thing about it is like the snow didn't mess it up as much or anything it was just that like when i was operating my hands were numb yeah, like, cause, like, you know, like, I fly here in Florida, you know, like, it's nice all the time here. Like, I've never had to, you know, fly my drone in, you know, minus ten degrees. Shield. So we we shot that movie in Michigan, and you know, like, I come out there the first day. I'm not ready, and it's snowing, so I gotta clean the screen from the snow. And I'm like, come on, move, move, move and my finger wouldn't go you know like it was like it was like you know like i was trying to do you know my job but it was it was hard you know so second day i knew better like we got some hand hand warmers you know like special gloves and shit but 
Yeah. Man. Has to do weather's a lot. Big thing. Yeah, on that, I wanted to talk about the Russian bride because th- that, would you say that's the biggest project you've worked on so far in your career? Oh, yeah, hands down, for sure. You know, we got Bernan Bernsev, who, who was like in all of LA Law and ma- baseball major leagues. Hey, like, he's a he's a movie star, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it's, yeah. it's cool. For the listener, the Russian bride, it's currently in Showtime, right? And then in two years, it's gonna be it's picked up by Netflix and Hulu, and in two years is when it'll be on those platforms. Yeah, so they already bought the rights for it. Um, so yeah, it, it'll come out in Netflix, Hulu, you know, every other streaming platform. But Showtime kind of just went in and bought the rights for it for three years. So 2019 was the year that it came out, and then you know that year went around this year next year and then it'll go into like everything else but for one t- for a, a long time actually for like about six months you could go to walmart in the red boxes and you could just rent it out yeah, of the, you know? <laughs> so, yeah i watched yeah. it on youtube i rented it on youtube so if any uh, any listener wants to watch it it's a really good movie it's like a thriller like a thriller spooky horror type like it, it, it's a really good movie and it's got beautiful shots of the estate which I assume were all done by you. And I was going to ask, you already answered a couple. It took place in Michigan is where the shooting was. Yep, Lake Orion. And then I was going to ask if the, the weather was like part of post-production or if that you actually shot in that weather. Yeah, yeah, we shot. We were waiting for that like big storm to come through. What? And, you know, we were like, you know, like the drone, like, you know, they hired me for two weeks to go out there and, and shoot the drone scenes. And, uh-huh. you know, while I was there, they were like, you, you, you know how to operate red I'm like, yeah, that's my camera. Let's. Mm-hmm. So they're like, all right, well, you can operate. You know, we need more. We need more people. But you know, we were just waiting, and sure enough, like, we went. We all went to sleep at like 3 a.m., and the director just like, <laughs> I'm sleeping because it's cold time. When you go back, when you go to sleep at 3 a.m., they don't expect you to be in set until 12. You know, so the director is there. I like. A.M. like we got snow it's snowing you know he looked like a little kid you know he's like <laughs> excited ready. yeah yeah we're ready ready you know I have my drone I've been waiting for this it's my moment you know so like you know we, we, we went out of there you know you know I'm flying and you know I want this I want that I want you know you know all right I, I finally it was like the second day of shooting because you know they had some establishing shots that they wanted to do when there was snow in the ground but it was not quite as knowing. Yeah, yeah. So they got some establishing shots, but the, the the shot was when the big storm kicks in and the power goes down. So 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 I want this, I want that. I already have figured out my gloves. I had hand warmers. Like I'm ready. You know that that was that was really you know like the you know like the saying goes you know fake until you make it. You know like once you're there and this director's telling you know like now you're making it. You know yo like okay cool. You know man. So how many <laughs> I imagine drone shots like that are more complicated than normal, like B-roll scene setting type like shots. But how many, how long does it take to shoot like a day's worth of shooting for like drone shots? How, how long of a day is that? It, 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 it really is not as long because of the limitation of like how long they can fly. Okay. So it actually is the contrary. They have to be really planned out. Uh-huh. That's why I wasn't flying all the time. I was waiting for that storm to come so through to get, get it. to to get it. You know what I mean. So so there was a lot of things like you know, like, you know, I I was like I always like to kind of frame my thing, my my shot, and then pull out so then you can reverse it and yeah. get it perfect. I wonder with the scene with the lady when she's in the like 
the the basement or whatever, there's a shot where like it's close under her oh. and it goes way back, and I figured you flew in and they just reversed. No, it. no, because of this, no, dude. So like I kept telling, you know, like that's what the, that's what I like to do. But what happens if you reverse the snow? The snow is not oh, falling; you're right, you're it's right. flying up. Right? I never even thought about that. Yeah, so so there's a lot of things that go in, into it. So, you know, so that's when the director comes in and, you know, you're like, okay, this is the frame you want? Poof. I got it, right? Yeah. But you got to execute now. Like, what you mean? Just reverse it. No, there's, there's no would be, like, going up then. So, you know, like, in the shots that actually snow falling, there was no faking it. Like, I had to get it. Oh, I had to get it. That's right. why there was no more faking it. Like, that was, like... Like, and, and I mean, you know, they're paying you good money, you know, to be there on set, you know, so, yeah. so, you, you know, they expect you to perform. So it's like a lot of pressure. And, you know, I mean, you think about it, you know, the director doesn't go around talking to anybody, especially on a bigger budget like that. He, he just talks to the, he doesn't even talk to the camera operator. He talks to the cinematographer and the cinematographer goes and talks to the camera operator, which is what I didn't, you know, on the other side. But then having the director right there, like telling me what to do, was just so freaking cool, you know. Man, so what? What do you think? Having experienced that project and working on it, what do you think was like the biggest thing that you learned going away from that? I I I think that the biggest thing I learned while I was doing the Russian Bride was that it really takes a village. Like you know, like I could accomplish just so much by myself, but you know, we had. 15 people on set, we, you know, we had 10, like, people just helping us, getting everything done, and then we had, like, a producer, a chain producer, executive producer, so we had so much people in there that it was just, like, I remember I, I was, like, ah, oh, man, you know, like, it kind of sucks to be a camera operator, and then one of the producers was, like, what do you mean? And he was, like, you're just feeding this monster. You're just, like, everybody is just putting a little bit to feed this giant monster of movie that is happening. So it just really takes a lot of people to, you know, get to that level. And, you know, I wish I could do everything myself, but, you know, you need you need that people. You need that support. Yeah, for sure. And then what kind of doors did that open for you after working on that? Well, you know, a lot of, like, people took me a lot more serious when i went to look for a job you know they're like you know he's working a bigger set you know um a lot of I, I mean i i think that you know it's just the first movie you see those credits roll and you say see your name on it you know what i mean and it's not a movie that was you know on your local channel or it wasn't a movie that was whatever you know like this is like a movie that got distributed worldwide that went to like the biggest horror film festivals in the world that won like real trophies you know what i mean so it's it it, it, it you know like th everything just happens so fast and then all of a sudden you're like man like i was part of that team you know so yeah. so it's That's gratifying. yeah the confidence that you get the you know everything yeah mm -hmm. hell yeah Okay, so I um, I guess I have something I wanted to say about Lord of the Rings. I guess that could lead into the the next thing. Cause have you seen, uh, they have a really cool like little YouTube series about the filming of the Hobbit. Have you seen those behind the scenes things with Peter Jackson by chance? I have seen some of them. Yeah, I'm, I can't lie, I haven't. You, uh, have you seen the Hobbit? Yeah. 
because I wondered like how you would compare the two because I'm like a huge fan of all of it, but I definitely have like my differences between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. But like you were saying, it takes a village with those little vlog series of behind the scenes of shooting those Hobbit movies. It was really, really cool by the end of it because they would do it like in like like a little 30 minute video as they were like this portion of the movie. And then like next 30 minutes when they're working on that, it was like almost like a vlog behind the scenes of the set set life. You know what I mean? Right. And then by the end of it, you see like they're wrapping up the final shoots. They're doing like the reshots and whatever. And then like by the end of it, you see this whole room of just like all these different people, actors and like cast members and this and that. And like all the people behind the scenes and they all were, had like, were celebrating doing such a great thing and like a trilogy like that they they had been with each other for you know years especially the lord of the rings actors they've been through it through all those movies all the hobbit movies so by the time like you know uh orlando bloom and like all these people who've been in to the, since the beginning like once it was wrapping up it was really cool to see all that just like come together you know what i mean yeah i think i think the 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 main thing that differentiated the both of them is you know Believe it or not, before Stanley Kubrick died, the people who wanted to produce The Lord of the Rings came up to him and were like, we want to make this movie. And he went, Lord of the Rings, impossible. You really? can't make that. And he, you know, take in mind, Stanley Kubrick is one or the greatest film director ever. And he said it was impossible. So really, like the, like the first Lord of the Rings had to come up with some crazy crazy technology to accomplish what they did they kind of set the bench for what now we see you know in avengers age of ultron like they were the first to get on like the heavy cgi they they invented this thing where like you know like each character would be like model right and then it would have this ai give him a personality and traits and things so no so they wouldn't all act the same so all those crowd generated shots they came up with all that. They were the first ones. So so they did a lot of more innovation than what the Hobbit did. Yeah. The Hobbit already kind of followed the steps on what the what they did for a long time. Yeah, and I noticed by the time the Hobbit came out, this isn't like a descript like a, like something I have against the movies per se. It's just something that's different that uh, than the original trilogy was by the time the Hobbit came out, they already had so much advanced technology with like CGI and stuff that there were way more shots that were just completely digital you know when like right. lord of the rings they had a lot of that too but it was more like they had a lot of practical effects they had a lot of like costuming like all the orcs you know those were just like practical effects costumes you know it was just people dressed up as creepy orcs but in the the hobbit they still have tons of that but there's also like even just the main villains like azog and like those people they're Wait. all just 100 percent fake you know yeah and like, it's just different but i i just i guess from like a behind the scenes standpoint i appreciate the practical effects so much i mean i mean and then you can you can say that in a way, but here's the thing: like you know, you know, you you see you see smog. You couldn't accomplish that with practical. No, and you see smog, and there's an actor behind him, and and yeah. he's acting the part, and you could feel him, you know. But where it, I think that the the Hobbit, the the biggest problem I have, is they shot it at sixty frames. And we're so used to, you know, like, you know, 24 frames per second. That's the movie standard. And it just felt like a cartoon. Like, all the animation felt like it, it didn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like, I'm like, everything is so perfect. Everything is like, you know what I mean? Yeah. To where, like, you know, when you see, like, I don't know, like, the Fellowship. Or, like, the Two Towers. Those fighting scenes. They're Grungy. dirty. Yeah. They're dirty, you mm -hmm. know? Like, 
they're 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 going at it and they're you know so so i feel like that dirtiness is what what you know the second part of it the hobbit just kind of felt because it felt just too cgi yeah and the one thing because i noticed that too and i try to justify it by um i keep in mind that the hobbit originally the story it reads kind of more like a fairy tale because tolkien intended for it to just be like a story more to tell to like his the kids, kids. And, yeah. yeah and so it read it reads way differently than lord of the rings is very dry very like war oriented and it almost reads like a war novel you know and the hobbit doesn't read like that the hobbit's way more fairy tale and i, I think that the movie it translated pretty well because it was so like kind of like animated and just like you're right like it felt more like a almost like a kid friendly movie when lord of the okay, rings yeah. does not feel like a kid movie you oh, know what no. i mean but like I said, like there's no, I don't hold any of over the other. But I, I like the original one. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, because of the the spot it has it has in my heart, like the original ones are always gonna be better, you know. Because those are the ones that I mean, I guess I read all of them. But like I remember reading those books in middle school and like and watching the movies and playing with the little toys as a kid and stuff. And The Hobbit was cool too. But I was already an adult when that came out, so it wasn't like as impactful. Yeah, I think even even in the storytelling, they got a little lazy, you know, with it yeah. because. Because The Hobbit was only one book. Yeah. And they made it into three parts. Mm -hmm. That's a cash grab for me. Come on, Hollywood. You got to stop doing that. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. looking at you right there. <laughs> you know, so so it, it, they did it more for the money than they did it for, you know, because if, if The Hobbit, you know, and actually it was funny because the original Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson wanted to do it as a one-off movie. Are you serious? Yeah, and they were like, "No, we can't. No we way. can't. No way. We this too much." So then they were like, "All right, we're gonna do it in two movies," and that's how they pitch it to the to the studios. And then the studio was like, "Yo, this is a trilogy, all right?" And then that's how Lord of the Rings happened. It and, only and, makes sense. Yeah. And bro, like to be honest, like you know, one of my favorite movies of all time, Return of the King. That's, 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 I mean, you know, cinematic, you know, technology wise, directing wise, you know, like the magic of cinema, it all came alive yeah, with yeah. that movie mm -hmm. with, you know, what they could accomplish, what they could do, what they did is just like, you know, it changed cinema forever, you know, and, and that's one of those pivot points that you see in history. And I mean, 14 Oscar nominations you know, it's not an easy task, you know, the, yeah. the following is the Titanic and, you know. Yeah, and I feel like they translated things like symbolism and things that Tolkien was trying to portray in his novels and his stories in general. They translated that to the film so well, like with one thing I always jump to is the, uh, you know, the scenes where it shows the creation of the Urukai and it shows the falling of Isengard and when they're like cutting down all these trees and burning everything to make weapons and smelting all this ore and like all the, like creating the, the army and whatever you don't you I, I don't remember where I read this or watched this but you you notice in the books and in the movies you never see the good guys producing anything you never see them producing armor you never the see sword. them yeah besides that besides that but like you don't see this like mass deforestation this like right. massive like urbanization because Tolkien like the time he lived in that was like a big thing was industrialization and just like all of this just war just, just I mean, ran he'll, he'll and war, war and war yeah he'll yeah there's time. a bunch of parallels to to the world wars and stuff like that in the right. films and that's why like it couldn't have been light like the hobbit it had to be that like gritty just like dark and then also it's just so quotable dude like in my life i still you know the scene where 
uh, Sam and Frodo are are with Smeagol and Osgiliath, and they're trying to like get out of um, the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're the trying city. to they're trying to escape from Formir's like yeah, yeah, like yeah. grasp. And there's a point where like Frodo's just ready to give up, and Sam gives this like great monologue, dude. And at the end, he's just like like something about holding on, and then yeah, Frodo's I like, "I can't carry the ring, but I'll carry you." Yeah. <laughs> Ah man! Yeah. Why is not my friend like that? And my I remember, <laughs> I remember as a kid, as a kid, we used to always hate on Sam, because like it was like it was funny yeah. to like like how Smeagol would just like call him the Fat Hobbit and just like make fun of him. We would always as kids be like, ah, yeah, silly. Yeah. But now, like as an adult, I realize he's my favorite character. He's like, maybe not, Legolas is always Ooh, my favorite. Legolas and Gandalf are my favorite. But yeah. as far as like crucial characters, Sam is like. One of the most crucial characters, bro. I mean, I mean, he's the pilgrim of bromance, bro. You know, <laughs> like, like you know, like if I was gonna have a bromance with anybody, it would be Sam. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I get you. I feel you in that. Um, and then you you mentioned earlier off the air about you said uh, when you were talking about your favorite movies and stuff, you said BS and AS are how you separate <laughs> your like film life. Yeah, yeah. Could yeah. you explain that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was BS, you know, like how they, they have AC and BC, before Christ and after Christ. So to me, like, you know, before Stanley Kubrick and after Stanley Kubrick was the the, the difference. So before I saw 2000s with Space, Space Odyssey, you know, I was like, you know, this kid who wanted to act, who wanted to, you know, be be involved with movies. And then I saw 2000 with Space Odyssey and I that's deep like you know what i mean like i went on you know i dream about it i thought about it and you know so before stanley that was all bs after stanley is all what you know what changed it all you know was so, that during your time uh camera operating and stuff or was that like kind of before you took off with it no no no, no. i mean like I, I i always been you know like Star Wars fan, you know, I, I always love movies, you know, I always, always, that was my, you know, to go, you know, like if I had any free time, movies was where I spend my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but 2001 Space Odyssey has one scene that really, you know, changed everything and is the time where the monkey takes the bone and it, it's supposed to be an allegory to, you know, us creating tools and he takes the bone Push, swings it out in the air and then the bone is flying around flying around and it becomes a, a, a orbital a orbital satellite and it goes from like prehistory to like the future and that was a concept that I would just couldn't fathom in my mind I'm like how can something make this giant leap on the future and the past and everything it's just like Damn, Stanley. Damn. <laughs> you know? Man, you got any more questions before we jump into the last segment? I do. Uh, do you feel the same way about Harry Potter as you do about Lord of the Rings? Is that a oh, that's good, a good question. See, I, I liked Harry Potter. I, I followed it and I, I, I watched it and all that. But I just, I feel like, you know, it, it, it didn't resonate as deep inside because of the struggle that they have like i feel like we bond with people we bond with characters because of the the hardness that they have to you know withstand Mm -hmm. so you know 
to me, Harry Potter was like a very internal struggle. It was like about him who, who survived. You know, it was something that was like kind of pushed upon him. And he had the responsibility. To whereas Lord of the Rings was like the responsibility was of the humankind. Of, yeah, yeah. of Middle Earth. So I feel like sometimes, you know, the, the villains, you know, the better villains make the better stories. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like like that's where it kind of fell short to where like I feel like never Voldemort wasn't a threat to whereas like you know Sauron like oh fuck mm-hmm. you know so so I feel like that's I mean I, I not not to throw any shade I mean I love the movies and I love everything about Harry Potter but you just can't compare the both you know like Lord of the Rings give you a sense of magic that was kind of like you know, disturbing in a sense. Yeah. Harry Potter just kind of feels safe. Like, I wanted to be that wizard to where, like, I would not want to be in Frodo's shoes, Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um, do you watch anime at all by chance? Yeah, yeah. I Have am. you seen Naruto? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I totally agree with what you say about the villains, and, like, and that makes, that's a good point about Voldemort, because I love Harry Potter, like, it's one of my favorite things ever, but... As far as villains go, the Death Eaters and Voldemort, they're not as, like, ominous and scary until the last handful of movies because Hogwarts and Dumbledore, like, everything's so protected there that the kids can just, like, do their kid thing, and it makes it more like young adult fiction. When, like, with Lord of the Rings, one of the scariest parts about the Dark Lord is he's everywhere and nowhere, you know? Like, with right. like with the Ring, like, his forces I mean, are everywhere. Yeah. And then I always point to the Akatsuki, too, in Naruto because there's... You've watched Naruto Shippuden, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, like... In that show, I always felt that too, where to like each of them were so unfathomably like powerful. Like Itachi as one person, you could think like yeah, no one can beat him. So and then people. you see Hidan and you're like, well, no one can beat him. And you, like each of them are so scary and they're like everywhere at all times. Right. The stakes are higher. Yeah. The stakes are higher. You know, I mean, like if you lose one of those fights, the the, the, the hidden live is going down. Yeah. You know? and, to... and on top of that, the soundtrack, like how you said sound plays such a vital role in film. Of course. Like with like the anime, like Naruto and Lord of the Rings and all this, they all have this like iconic sound behind the, the like the dark side. And Star Wars too, where like when you hear that, like when you hear the Akatsuki theme, you like get this like pit, like oh shit, what the hell's about? Like when they show up to the Leaf Village, you're like yeah. someone's, someone's about to die. Someone's gonna die down. Or yeah, same with like down. when the Ring Wraiths show up to to the Fellowship, you're like someone's getting stabbed right now you know what i mean it like and, makes you scared and it's funny that you mentioned the sound because you know i mean if you think about it there was a big leap from sound design when star wars came out i mean when like you know now we know the sound of a lightsaber yeah. like you know by memory you know we we, we could we all hear it right now yeah. but <laughs> but before then what is a lightsaber sounds like Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean. So they have a big and uh, what what walkers, you know, like laser. You know, like I mean. So these people had to be really evolutionary. Like you know, they they, they almost have to figure out what the future looks like. You're to... right. Yeah, yeah. And now we we coin all those little sound effects and sounds to those movies. Like they're like the like the like. Uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hundred percent true for sure. <laughs> Damn. So, do we get into the last segment then? Uh, I got one more question yeah, actually yeah, too. Uh, do you feel the same way about TV as you do movies? No. No. Really? No. Why? There's more in, that goes into a movie. I work in TV every day, you know, and I mean, there's shows like you know Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was one of the. I, I mean, I think it's the first show that I ever seen that it resembles a movie, because you know it really feels like a 
whatever 50 hour movie you know like mm-hmm. all throughout it yeah. does yeah. yeah but before breaking bad i mean there's some i mean it's changing every day you know it it changes a little bit um but but it really it tv tv to me is like low budget it's rush is to whereas like movies you know the movies that we see and stuff you know there's people who sit there for a year making two seconds of that movie that you watch to whereas on tv i mean you know it's more casual it's low budget it's like and you know i mean people look here's the best example i can put when i'm watching tv at my house in my pajamas the tv is my jester you know it's little there it it it, it makes some noise it's whatever but when i will go to the movies that big screen i'm no part of he's not a jester anymore <laughs> you know it's this giant massive screen that is like absorbing me into this world you know yeah so i always feel like that's the big difference on it that like i just can't feel as it immersed on tv because it's just not that experience to where i was like you know you go watch an imax movie you go watch a 3d movie you gotta watch it dude i'm right there with han solo you know like mm-hmm. we're yeah, both yeah. flying the millennium falcon to where like in my phone it's just like oh yeah Mm-hmm. And you you said such a big part of it for you is storytelling, and I feel like with TV shows a lot of times they kind of like try to milk seasons. You know what I mean? Where like they because I feel like the best stories, and I notice this a lot with anime too. Where like if you know where the story is gonna go, and your intention is to go from here to such and such amount of seasons and episodes to reach there. You know, like with Harry Potter, she knew where she wanted it to end, and Lord of the Rings, he knew where he wanted it to end. And a lot of times with movies, I feel like sometimes they don't know exactly where they want it to end and just, like, call it. When something like Breaking Bad, it feels like they had that vision of the story and they just went to execute it. And same with, like, Game of Thrones. Obviously, that was a book. So, like, they were they had, a, like, a roadmap to go off of. But for, but a lot of shows, I feel like they don't have that. So the story just kind of, like, gets muddled until it, it just phases it's just out. It's episodical, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you... You know, you don't want to create something in a TV show. And this is this is the, sto- the hard part of TV. You know, you can't create a story that at the end of the sh- 30 minutes, you know, it tells you a complete story. You always got to lift it in like there's a new problem. There's a new thing. There's mm-hmm. yeah. there's a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Makes you want to you know? watch the next one. Yeah. It makes you want to watch the next one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So so the, stro- the, the beauty of it and the struggle of it is you have to tell so much of the story without telling all of the story. Yeah. Right? yeah. So you got to play your cards right to where in a movie... You know, every crucial point, it's like, you know, the character is changing so much and that decision will split off in two different ways. Like, look, come to the dark side, <laughs> you know, no, father, you know what I mean? Like, that's a pivotal point in the story to where like in a TV show, if like, you know, that was a TV show, you know, it's like. Maybe he texts him. He's like, "Yo, you want to come to the dark side? I'm your daddy." You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta leave that. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like it has like, because like the the climax of a of a movie is like this, or like a, a trilogy or something like that or anything. 
the climax is this ultimate point of like, like you said, like a decision to be made or a, a fight to be won or this. And then it goes to like the resolution of the story when with TV shows, you have to do that in each episode and also as a show. So like sometimes it's like more underwhelming the climaxes because each episode, a climax might be as simple as like, uh, like in Breaking Bad, we have to get the fly out of the laboratory. You know, there's the one episode right. where they have to get the fly out. That's the like story of that episode, but it's in this longer story of right. Breaking Bad. You and know? that's why that's why movies have season fin or I'm sorry, not movies, but TV shows have season finales. Those are the pivotal points. Yeah, that they are they're like, oh my god, so much happened. Mm -hmm. You know, to where and you have to wait a year for it. I mean, come on, Westworld, hurry <laughs> up. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I feel that. So we asked you beforehand if you had any, and we asked all of our guests this before we wrap up the episode, if you have any like paranormal or ghost or alien encounter, any sort of crazy stories to tell, anything you want to share, you can. The mic is all yours. All right, so I got I got two stories. Okay. I'll start with the alien one. Okay. Which is actually really funny. It was like, so I was a scout when I was a kid. So mm -hmm. me, me and all the scouts went out to camping in the middle of Villavicencio. That's a city in, in Colombia. It's about 30 minutes away, 45 minutes away from Bogota, which is my my city, mm -hmm. right? Maybe an hour. Um, so we're there, and, you know, like, the scouts have, like, a like they have, like, this very, like, it's a routine, you know? Like, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you get to eat. You do this. It's almost like the military. So I was really thirsty, and I was making... You know the agua panela, which is like, like just a lemonade. Just imagine it's lemonade, and I'm like making lemonade. I'm making lemonade. I'm making lemonade, and I'm already thirsty. And I'm like, yo, I want some of this. I want some of this, and I go, an alien. And like, there's five of these guys. You know, we're in the middle of the, you know, of this camping site. There's no lights, and they all turn around. Take a big ass spoon of of, of of the drink, you know, like I'm like, and then all of a sudden we see this thing that goes, push, and it stands still, and it goes push, and it stands still, and then it push, disappears, and I'm there like, <laughs> you called them out, and they're like, oh fuck, Yo, what, what? Uh. So, so to the day, I mean, they, they, I mean, they all, I mean, I was thirsty, you know, I was just trying to have a drink of, 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 of this lemonade, but, but I think I, I that was a, uh, encounter of the third kind, I think, you know, cause I never seen a helicopter do that. I never seen a, you know, it's like just this little light gone. It was the next model drone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that was that was one of the stories, and then the other one it was actually scary. I got a. So so my gra my great grandma, she used to own a farm, in El Caquetá, and that's somewhere where you know you gotta from the city the the main city. So I I, I grew up in Bogota, which is New York, in Colombia. Seven million people, highly populated, a lot of shit going on. My my great grandma was from the Caquetá, which is only about 10 hours away from the Amazon. So, and I, I, you gotta, you gotta think, you know, it takes 24 hours to get there and then there's no more roads. So it's 10 more hours where you gotta go in, in a donkey, on a boat, on a, wow. on a hydroplane, 
to get to the Amazon, you know? Yeah. So, so we're in the middle of nowhere, you know? Um, and, you know, she had people who take care of his farm, her farm. You know, it was a big farm. She has many, many acres. And, you know, all the kids, I was one of them, were playing. So the house was a big L. So it was like, like this, this side of the, okay, so like the L is here, right? So the kitchen is here. The bathrooms are here and the rooms are here in like this side and this side. And then that was all like wood panels. And then, you know, the horses stay in this area. So the horses are here and there's like a, like a little walking area that is like lift up about two feet off the ground. So snakes, scorpions, all that crazy shit doesn't get in your okay. bed when you're sleeping. Okay. So we're playing to like, we're me, the, all the kids about maybe eight or nine of us, my cousins, the people that take care of the farm and me and my cousins that are from Bogota are running around the L, right? We're running and we're playing a game, you know, race, we're racing, right? So I'm a, one of the older kids and, you know, so I'm running a lot faster than them, right? I'm a little running a lot faster than them and, you know, I'm getting, I'm doing laps around them and we're winning, right? And I start fucking with them. So I started like, when I'm running behind them, I go, boo! And they're like, ah! you know like freaking out you know so i'm like ha, 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 fuckers you know so i'm like so I'm, I'm i'm like fucking with them and you know i get a lap into them i get a second lap into them and i'm like so this is Dale, right so so they're like i catch a chap to them and i'm like i'm gonna wait in this corner right here until they go all the way around and then i'm gonna scare them when they come into this side and i'm standing there and i see a dark figure in the distance like right here where there was like there were they had like a little farm that they grow like tomatoes they grow basil they grow and i see like this little figure and i'm like who is that and i know all the adults are inside you know having dinner they're all sleeping you know the kids are playing right now everybody's inside i'm looking at it and it looks at me right and I just get this really uncomfortable feeling. Like, I just, I feel like, like, I, I feel tense. And then I see him. It's like, it's, it looks like a guy. And there's like just this little, you ever seen sugar cane grow? Mm -hmm. So it's just this little stick. Like, maybe like this thick. So it's there. And I see him right next to it. And he just takes a step and disappear. And I, and like, I mean... Keep in mind, I can hear the kids running around like, hey, yeah, we're, we're running around, you know? And I can hear him, but I see someone, and he just disappears, like, into, like, this tiny little thing. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I can't move. Like, I'm terrified. I'm like, and, you know, like, I'm just, like, there, like, the fuck? And then, like, the thing just, like, whatever the fuck it was. It just comes out of like this tiny little thing and then just comes out and like looks at me. And I, I'm like, you know, I can hear the kids getting closer and closer to get to like this little side of the, to where they would see it too. And I'm like, <sighs> and then it does it again. It just disappears. Like it's just this little fucking sugar cane and he just, he's fucking with me. He's like, bloop, gone. And I'm like, what the heck? So it finally comes back. And then like, you know, at this point I get like a fever. Like I feel like my whole body's burning. 
and he's looking at me and like keep in mind there's no lights there's no lights whatsoever the only kind of lighting you got in there it's candles right okay so so the, the only candle i see it's in the window that is in the kitchen like right here right uh-huh so like i grab it and like i'm like i point at it and then I hear the kids that are coming right into the corner. And, like, it, it happened so fast. But, again, like, in my mind, it took forever. Like, it was forever. And I go kind of like, like, you know? And there's and then the kids come and they're like, ah! And I'm like, ah, 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 you know? And then it was gone. And I, I never knew what, what it was. I never, but I know, like, it was just fucking with me. It was just saying, like, oh, yeah, you were scaring these little kids. Well, I'm going to fuck with you, too. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Wow. Yeah, I th- dude, probably the devil. Who knows? Dude, I was just talking off the air about, like, you know, should we even still do the ghost story segments? Because, like, I don't know if people are into it. I don't know if people, Gus even like talking about it. That was a great fucking story, dude. Bro, I've, like, and, and you know, like, it, it in, in the sense, you know, like, I must have been, like, 13, 14 years at the time, but... Like, it was just, like, right now, like, I could see the figure just disappearing on that little tree. Like, it, and it, keep in mind, like I said, the, the only light that you see is the moon, the stars, and the little candles you have around. And I don't know how could you do that. I mean, if, I wish I had the special effects to do that back then. Yeah. But that was some real stuff right there. It's crazy. So how did that affect the rest of your stay at that house? Well, you know, like, I see the kids coming. I mean, I'm like, oh! Yeah, Uh, you guys catch up to me. (laughs) I'm gonna go back to sleep. All right. Like everything's fine. Yeah. No. 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 I went to sleep. Oh. You know, like I, you know, I mean, it was my grandma's house. You know, so I was like, everybody, protect me, God. Did you ever tell them about that? No. No. I never. I mean, I told my grandma about it, and she said, you know. There's a lot of spirits. There's a lot of crazy shit. She told me, like, my my grandma told me some, like, crazy things that happened to her when she was young. Like, she said, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, spirits will come and try to take you in the night. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but think about it. Like, this is the Amazon. Like, we're, like, like, the nearest village, it's about 12 hours on a donkey. You know what I mean? On a horse, like, eight. You know what I mean? So like, you know, like all those folklore stories that you hear, all that shit. That's where that shit started. Like in the middle of like nowhere. And like, you know, I mean, when when you're there, you're just hopeless because, you know, you know that if something happens, I mean, if you get bit by a snake, you ain't going to have any hospitals to go to. If if, If you hurt yourself. You know, yeah, they, they, they got to take you on a horse and then you get in a motorcycle and then you get in a car and then you make it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's... Damn. Ay, ay, ay. So, uh, uh, when was the last time you visited that house? Actually, uh, a year ago. Really? Yeah. How was it this time as an adult? Well, you know, I mean, my great-grandma passed away like a few years ago, oh, so it was very... It was it was kind of hard to 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 visit it there. Yeah. Um, we kind of we kind of went by, we kind of passed by, and and it was it was really it was really nice because you know 
some of the best memories I have as a young kid was not on the city, but just having fun with my cousins in the middle of nowhere, you know, just jumping in the river, you know, swimming with alligators, seeing <laughs> snakes, going out and, you know, like, you know, milking the cows, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so, so it, was, it felt really nice, you know, and I brought my camera with me, so I got some, like, really cool photos of just how it is in the middle of nowhere, and... Yeah. You know, I spent, the, when, when I was there about a year ago, my day looked like I woke up when the roosters start waking, like, you know, they were, and then you would wake up, and then you would go milk the cows, and then you had to let them out to, like, so they can feed, and then you would go and you would chop up some trees, you would go hunt, you would go to the river, get some fish, get the fish, now that's breakfast, go get some you know, eggs from the chicken, whip them out, make some some omelets, you know, so everything was so fresh, you know, go feed the pigs. So, you know, there's a bunch of dogs running around. Then you got to take the motorcycles and go out to the middle of nowhere and rebuild, uh, uh, like, you know, a fence that has been taken by the fires. It's just, you know, it's like a <laughs> whole different thing. Like, Man, it's like, a whole different and, and you forget, I mean, like, What's a phone? Like, you forget about, like, everything, and you're just there, you know, just kind of enjoying the beauty of it. You know, you breathe, and you can, you know, your lungs are filled with just the cleanest air, you know, you, you know, but you're still in the back of your mind. You're like, if something happens to me, I'm dying, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You know, yeah. like, so... Man, that's yeah. wild. You're a great storyteller, dude. Ah, thanks. I just, I like, got this whole picture in my head of this, this village in yeah. Colombia. I yeah. do, too, dude. Oh yeah, and thanks for coming, bro. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. We have the last little section. You can look at this camera and you can plug anything. Like uh, we already mentioned, what you currently do for work. But if you have like upcoming projects you're working on, any like websites or social media you want the, the listeners to look for, you can shout it out now. Oh yeah, so my Instagram is Camilo Film. Um, you can follow me in there. I post some pictures and some dumb stuff about my film career. Um, I'm, I'm currently, uh, putting a short film together, um, for the, for Meyer film, for Meyer's film festival. So I'm planning to shoot that in the next couple days. Um, it's called the dinner scene. I, I, I'm actually, I don't know what I'm going to name it yet. <laughs> uh, if you got a, if you got a name, it's, a, it's about, uh, it's about two people having dinner and everything gets really crazy when one finds out that the other's intentions are not what, you know, you thought they were. Uh -huh. So, so dinner scene, you know, whatever, I'm working on that. And, and then, you know, just, that's it, you know? Hell yeah, oh, yeah. dude. Um, I feel like we got to have you back. Cause like, there's also painting stuff. We didn't talk about car stuff. We didn't talk about. Cause like you're super into like, you've seen some dope cars on some of your shoots, right? I've seen your Instagram. You've got some cool cars on there. Oh yeah. 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 I got, I got, I got to drive a Mercy Lago one time and you know, NASCAR and all that type of stuff. So yeah. And I, I, I like I said, you know, I mean, filmmaking is really my passion. I try to spend all the time that I can, you know, writing, coming up with stories, you know, make, make doing my my production for my company or for NBC or ABC. But, you know, 
sometimes when I need to unwind, I'll go paint, I'll go yeah. draw, I'll go take some photos. So so that's that's a whole thing that I'm trying to you know build up a little bit more onto. So. For sure, yeah, that's that's healthy for the brain. But seriously, bro, thanks for coming. Yeah. I, we gotta have you yeah. back because this has been so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Where yeah. can they find us at, Danny? Oh, you can find us at City of Palms Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We got new episodes up every Monday. And we might be in Nashville upon listening to this, right? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, we should be once. Yeah, this we should be once. This. Yeah, having fun in oh, Tennessee. Yeah. There it is. There it is. All right, this has been episode 47, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, watching, whatever you do. Um, remember, share this with a friend. You know, like if you're watching on social media or whatever, that always helps us out. But even just like word of mouth, you know, if you do think that uh, we, if, if you watch and you think that we're entertaining, or if you think that we're not entertaining, just tell someone. You know what I'm saying? Because word of mouth helps more than you think it does because al algorithms are stupid. Anyways, uh, thanks so much for watching. Hit him with the outro, Soren. <laughs>